Hey, you're listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast, and today is episode 31, and we're going to be talking about the cultural lenses in which we understand our faith and read our Bible. Let's do this! Hey, thank you guys so much for joining us today. And today, we got one of our most popular guests from our first season. Lisa Pack is back with us. Lisa, what's going on? Lots of good things. No complaints. God is good. Thank you for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So I feel like we have to do just a very quick catch-up from the last time you were on the podcast Since then, you went to Nunavut. Yes, which was an incredible experience because it's a different world up there. The Canadian North is very, very different. It's very pure in many ways. Like the landscape, it's it's the creative work of God, and you really sense the majesty of the creative and intelligent creator. And then there is, of course, a social aspect of that with the Inuit people group up there. So in many ways, it's a juxtaposition to have those two issues, the one very, very beautiful and one very, very concerning in the same location. Yeah. And was it primarily like in terms of you visiting Nunavut and working alongside churches and organizations there? Was it primarily First Nations communities that you were working with? Yeah. Well, the Inuit people are up there and our scripture translation team at the Canadian Bible Society has worked with them before, but never really on the engagement side. So this time it was because, you know, I'm the regional director of Ontario and none of it. I got to go up there and see. So it was really kind of like a recon, like What's the community like? Who are they? You can read about them, but then to go up there and to speak with them, to see them and just to worship with them. We had the opportunity to worship with them at um, St. Jude's Anglican Church in Iqaluit. So that was a beautiful time. Awesome. Awesome. I think Bernard last time also asked about if you were going to bump into any Asians up there. So did you see any other Asians? Do you know? No, (laughs) but... When you look at the Inuit people group, anthropologically, there are a lot of similarities. So it'd yeah, be very interesting sure. to get some DNA tests or something to see where those people groups have crossed paths, or perhaps we came from them or somehow related back, back, way back when, you know? Uh-huh. Could be like a cousin, like third, fourth removed. Yeah, like, you hey, just never know. <laughs> we're related. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yes. And this was something that also came up within this last year. Lisa, you are also a YouTube sensation. You are on See Here Love, which is a great Christian women's web show with Melinda Esterbrook and a a number of other great hosts. What is it like to have that kind of outlet and that level of engagement with others? Well, one of the things I love about this show is that, that we're all peers. I love listening and learning. And we're all from so, such different walks of life. Even just di- uh, in terms of ethnicity, we're very, very diverse. But at the same time, there's a good age range. But our goal is to reach out to the millennial women and just yeah. encourage them and just to journey with them to talk about relevant issues, but also go a little bit deeper on the side of theology and what does this theology look like in practice and how does it jive with shame and how does it work out with, you know, divorce and all those really life issues that we all have. Yeah, that's super cool in terms of the way you can uh, be able to share and and dialogue and be able to, you know, invite people into that conversation. And so have you done anything like that before? Have you done any kind of media 
I have when I was in South Korea. When we oh, were in cool. a ministry there, and there's something called CGN TV that is run out of Onnori Community Church, and they had a um, section for English-speaking um, devotionals out there. And so I was doing like 10-minute, 5 to 10-minute spots there, you know, explaining the Bible and the way that they had the format set out in terms of just, you know, this is the intro, this is the teaching, this is the closing. So I've done it before nice. um, in the Korean context, but it's very different. It's a, it was an English-speaking show in the peninsula. So it was very different. <laughs> Their approach, the way we dress, the way they did the makeup, all very, very different. So you're just natural at this. You have experience oh, already. Oh, have mercy. <laughs> it's one of those things where God just kind of throws you into it and you learn as you go, really. And you're just like, well, it's in front of me. Um, I'm not afraid of it. So let's do the best I can. Yeah. That is super cool. Check out See Here Love. You can find it on YouTube. It's also a podcast, right? Or Yes, yeah. it's actually a TV show on Mondays. You can find it on Yes TV. That's cool. Um, and also SeeHereLove.com is where you'll find just more information about the show and the podcast and the blogs and whatnot. All right. We got Shu here with us too. Shu, what's going on? Yo, yo. <laughs> yo, 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 yo. We got a great topic for our episode today. And so whether we know it or not, when it comes to understanding our faith and even practices such as reading the Bible, we always see it through a certain bias and lens. Mm. And it may be hard for us to sometimes believe that, but we don't live in biblical times. We've all come from a certain perspective. We've all had certain experiences in our lives. Some, some of it comes from the way we were raised. Some of it comes from our education and the streams of thought that we have learned. One of the biggest influencers and sometimes we're not even aware of it, is the culture and ethnic background we are a part of mm. and that we've come out of. And so today, Lisa, you are the perfect guest to talk about this because of your pastoral heart, because you are a Bible scholar, <laughs> your many, many degrees, yes. And, and more to come. And more to come, <laughs> yeah. more to come. Next time we might have to label this as Dr. Reverend Lisa, uh, there'll be we'll too have to many. Wait several years. <laughs> well, there'll be more and more, more titles, more and more titles. But yes, I think this will be a great conversation with you, especially mm -hmm. from your experiences as well. And it's been great to also hear back some of the feedback from the first episode you were on, and mm -hmm. and how people resonated with what you're sharing about your experiences as a woman in ministry and the things you have seen. So when it comes to a term like cultural lens and cultural lens of scripture, cultural lens of faith. What's your initial thought? What's the initial thing that you think about? I, I love how you mentioned that we are sometimes not aware of it because you have to first be aware that you're actually coming from a perspective and you're not like the one that is no perspective. I'm just open and I have no, you know, bias. Everybody has a bias because you're born into this world that has different cultures. You're born into a generation. You're born as an individual with certain passions. I, your DNA is wired and you're brought up a certain way. Yeah. And so when I was growing up, I thought everybody took off their shoes and every um, household had saran wrap <laughs> over their, you know, TV controller. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just right. this is your small world and what, you get out don't there. do that yeah and it's also like you do, you call your parents by their first name are you crazy and then <laughs> you understand this is you have one and you need to acknowledge that for better or for worse it's not that one is better than the other but you have to acknowledge you have one mm, yeah we are not completely objective yeah, we are never, not completely unbiased Shu, what's your thought when you hear the term cultural lens what does that mean for you yeah like i, I definitely resonate with that that when I grew up and when I first, you know, when you first read the Bible, you, you think, oh, this is God's direct line to us and that it's, there's no talk about filter. There's no talk about how you view things. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, I take it from this. This person said it this way. So this must be the way that it's interpreted. This is the truth. So it's just like, I, it was interesting when I grew up, I was just like, oh yeah, that's the one way. And then I didn't realize 
oh, I come from a Baptist way of seeing this. I come from an evangelical way of viewing this. And then, oh, oh, there's differences in, in how people view this and the way that they, what they bring to the table actually impacts how they view this. It's just, so for me, it's like, if you don't understand that you bring cultural lenses to whatever you do, actually, like, right. but we're talking about scripture and other things, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's just like, so for me, it was, I don't know. It, it took a while for me to realize and become more self-aware. Yeah, I agree. Because, you know, Socrates is the ones who said, you got to know yourself. I mean, Mm. that's a paraphrase, but that's it. You got to know yourself in order to be effective in the world that you're living in and be aware of how people might perceive you. Yeah, for sure. It influences so much. Influences our faith, our reading of scripture, our churches. You know, even when I came to Toronto and people were talking about, you know, the Chinese church and they're like, oh, Chinese churches are kind of all the same. And I was like, what does that mean? And, but then to see how culture has been a factor in shaping the churches and understanding church was always very enlightening and very, you know, like it was something to kind of experience and be exposed to. And so, yeah, there's a lot to navigate in terms of this conversation, but can cultural lenses be helpful? There's been a lot of different responses. Some people are like, no, we got to go back to, we have to understand it from a Jewish perspective, or we can be completely objective about it. Like you guys were sharing a little bit earlier. Uh, some people think that like, oh yeah, when I read it, it's, that's just what it, it says. Can our culture, our ethnic backgrounds help in our understanding of scripture? I think so. When you said that remark about, okay, we've got to go back to the Jewish way of doing things. It's like, well, the problem is you're not Jewish. Mm-hmm. Like that's just the bottom line. Your history does not include the genocide. It does not include the Holocaust. It does not include the Jewish Orthodox upbringing. It just yeah. doesn't. And you're not looked at the same way. And to assume that you can understand that fully is, is a little bit arrogant. That's not to say you can't sympathize or empathize with it to a certain degree, mm-hmm. because there have been genocides committed on different people groups. And in that respect, it's like, yeah, I can journey with you. I get that. But to think that you're fully Jewish and you can understand in the way that the disciples did, eh, <laughs> I don't think so. But that's where the sovereignty of God and the unchanging nature um, of Scripture and the message, that's what allows us to receive cultural and the cultural lenses that we have and embrace it rather than think that it's a hindrance. Because mm. for me, it all goes back to the fact that God created mankind, humankind, if you want to put it that way. And he blessed each people group and he's sovereign and he so loved the world. So he doesn't place a precedent in terms of, I favor this pe- person over this person because they're black, they're white, they're Chinese, they're Jewish. Yeah. There's a chronological precedent, it's first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Mm-hmm. But again, before God, that's just the way that it had to happen because in this world, there has to be a chronology. Somebody has to be born first. Somebody has to receive the gospel first. It just It's the way that this world, the way we know it, has to happen. Mm-hmm. I think that cultural lenses absolutely help. It shows the creativity and the diversity of who God is. And it's fun. Like, culture <laughs> is fun in many ways. Cultural faux pas, if we stop for a moment and in some ways forget to be offended by some of the stuff, it can actually be very fun. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, like I, I think of like the current scholarship in mm. in Bible work, where mm-hmm. I think a lot of Old Testament interpretation, trying to find out what is more, what is the context of the Old Testament, so what what is the writer saying back then? Like you got like your, you know, Bible scholars who are trying to bring it. Oh, this is what like they're they're trying to say, and then you're like trying <laughs> to differentiate. Are, are you sure? Or have you done the groundwork on this? So it's just interesting to see current the current landscape of sure. that and how it impacts 
how how we read scripture, how we understand. And come on, Jesus was a Jewish man. Yeah, like yeah. he's yeah. born the into incarnation, a, yeah, right incarnation, there. a specific cultural group. And to understand, and even when you read, and I'm going through like the Book of John, mm. preaching that in, in my con- in my congregation right now. I'm like, wow, you if you want to understand this more and more, you have to understand why is Jesus saying a lot of these things in the book of John? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of it relates back to the Old Testament, Jewish tradition, what's going on. So you're trying to help people even understand that yep. culture, yep. right? Mm. So you do the best you can. And I think that's why people are trying to look at times the historical culture of what, you know, what was happening mm-hmm. back then and trying to understand what's so that we can be better informed of what's happening today. Yeah. yeah. Right. And when we do Bible study, people do like their inductive or yep. whatever Bible studies. They always go back to the background context sure. to give some understanding of what's happening. So we can see, oh, this is Jesus that God prepared from the beginning of time. But yeah, this is part of his plan mm-hmm. that he would come into this world as this Jewish man. And just like the blessing for Abraham through your seed, you'll be a blessing to many nations. Yeah. And Jesus does that. And mm. it's funny because Gospel of John, there's for me, there's those two stories when you were talking that stood out, John 4 and John 8, where it's about the Samaritan woman in John 4 and the woman caught in adultery in John 8. Yeah. And Jesus, while he fully embraced, like didn't deny the fact that he was a Jewish man, he acknowledged his Jewish traditions yeah. and he even explained the scriptures from them, but he was never limited by them. Right. And so that's such an interesting point where all of us, we're brought into this world with a certain perspective, certain culture. And it shouldn't limit us. It should be a springboard for us to interact more and, you know, be that mosaic that is the kingdom of God. And I think Canada is such a great place to do that right now because there is a true mosaic of people groups. Yeah. And we're very blessed in Toronto in that respect. Yeah. We're living it. Yeah. We're experiencing yeah. it. Which also comes some interesting issues. Yeah. But... Mm-hmm. And we're yeah, going to talk certainly. about that. It's not easy. <laughs> but I am thankful for, yeah. for living in a mosaic yeah. culture. For yeah, sure. for sure. This is completely off the cuff. But what is your initial reaction when you read a book or you read an article or hear someone say, this is the more biblical perspective? <laughs> what is your initial thought? Shu's laughing already. So Shu, we're going to start with you. Oh, I'll just say, who's biblical? <laughs> who's Bible? <laughs> yeah. who's, I don't, like, where do you, like, what do you mean by biblical, first of all? Yeah. And it's like, I, I, I love that how that's become like a, a what do you call it? Like a hammer, hammer phrase, hammer down phrase. <laughs> This is how it is biblically. And I'm like, can you explain that? I think that needs more? to be I want, pa- unpacked. Yeah, unpacked a bit. Yeah, doubt, no, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, definitely. Because so. what do you mean by biblical, right? Yeah. Do you mean that it's like the infallible, inerrant, like this is the way it has to be, or biblical context? And we, there's room for conversation. Sure. There's room for follow-up. There's room for understanding principles rather than this has to be the way that it's done. Yeah. And that brings to mind the whole story of Peter and just the the vision of the animals coming down, like God really pushed him mm-hmm. because we are set in our ways and we are biased to our own culture or sometimes because of their hurts, biased against our own culture. Yeah, so. for sure. That was such an impactful moment for his life, especially right before, you know, before meeting Cornelius and yeah. his family. And thank God for his sovereignty and his grace yeah. and, and doing things that way. And but, kudos to Peter. Yeah. Because that's not easy to do. Like yeah. I find it hard to call people by who are older than me and who are senior position or elder in age by their first name. It's just not something that I'm used to. But then sure. because of the Canadian side of the culture that I'm gr- grown up in, you get more used to it. But when it becomes an Asian older person, now that's really hard. Yeah. Even if they're speaking to me in English, 
Reverend um, Song Minho Moksanim at Yongnak Church, it's always Moksanim. I never call him Minho. Like, are you crazy? <laughs> Even though he is culturally very Canadian in many ways, I just can't bring myself to do it. A white person who's elder, yeah, of course, you know, um, it's easier because of that visual reference. <laughs> and I, I, th- I think some of that has to do with, I think most people, when you think about, like, when we even talk about this topic about cultural lenses, it's like in our modern cultural society there's this there's emphasis on like let's be progressive so mm. that is the way to do it so i just got to do what's politically correct or mm-hmm. say it politically correct but actually a lot of times in and you see it in in first corinthians just as an example when you have like idol meat yeah. i won't eat this meat if it's going to cause you know right. my my brother or sister to stumble mm-hmm. whatnot I, it's out of you're restricting your freedom yep Actually, for the sake for the sake of following Christ, yeah. So I think a lot of times people think, no, 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 freedom in Christ, freedom in Christ, and I'm like, yes, but there are times as love well. Love for your brother, yeah, love for yeah. your brother, yeah. And you don't want them. And sure, you have freedom in Christ, but you're not going to go. I, I hold this over you. I'm also going to restrict even stuff that yeah. I see for the sake of caring and love. Yeah, freedom to give up your freedom. Yeah. yeah, especially when you know that something of your culture could be perceived a certain way. And I'm going to give you a simple example. Yeah. Right now, kimchi is all the rage. I know people who are non-Korean, like full out white, and they love it. I know Russian-speaking people who love kimchi. When I was growing up, it wasn't so popular. It wasn't so well-known. So when my friends would come over, in fact, my parents would be very careful to make sure that the kimchi wasn't smelling so much because we know that it could possibly be offensive. And so let's not make our guests or our friends or people who are unaware of our culture, don't force it in their face. Let it be a gradual relationship. And if they don't like it, then they don't like it. They don't, it's not that they hate your culture. They're being, you know, antagonistic. They're not being superior. It just doesn't fit with their palate. Sure. And that's something that I think we have to be aware of. So yes, restricting our freedoms. Absolutely. As we're talking about the topic of culture, let's talk a little bit about the lenses that we see things and understand things through. So what is an Asian lens or what is a Canadian lens or Canadian Asian lens? You know, how have those things impacted us and affected our understanding, our practice, our internalizing of our faith? You know, what are some of the things that jump out to you guys as a cultural lens? There's this awesome image that you can find anywhere on the internet about the cultural iceberg. So the easy stuff is like, oh, K-pop, you know, yay, Blackpink, Blackpink is all the rage now. Um, I have and, no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so some of your fans out there may, like, I don't even, I'm not really into it, but the, apparently they're the rage. And then there's the deeper things like, okay, so the easy, fun stuff, going on to another country, eating their food, you yeah. know, learning their music, language, even wearing the cultural garb, which is very, very interesting, very diverse, very colorful in many nations. And then the deeper stuff is what is considered private? What is honor shame? Mm. How do you relate to foreigners? How do you relate to your parents? Sure. What is humorous? Yeah. Because a lot of sarcastic humor doesn't fly <laughs> in some cultures because you're just like, now you're being rude. But right. sarcasm is sometimes teasing, right? Yeah, and sure. so all these things, that's the more subtle and the more highly contextualized part of that you know, cultural iceberg. The tip of the iceberg is the fun stuff, I think. Yeah. You even mentioned about honor. And so even reading the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother, when we read it from an Asian lens, perhaps there's already some understanding of what mm-hmm. that looks like or something that, you know, we've been brought up with to, to think in a certain way. And so let's talk a little bit about that. Like, you know, how do we understand things like honor and shame from our Asian lens? 
I think when it comes to that particular one, honor your father and your mother, mm-hmm. I think for Asians, honor equates to obedience. Yeah. But mm-hmm. that's not what I teach. And that's not what I believe because you can obey your parents and they might think that it brings them honor because they have such obedient kids. Yeah. Um, I don't know that that's biblical though. Because there's a way to honor your parents, but on respectfully disagree and just on, on matters that are meaningful to you. But there's also a way to talk it out, right? Mm. It's not just calling them by their deferential title. It's not just obeying them. It's not just obligatory, you know, going to their house on Asian Thanksgiving or Asian New Year's. <laughs> and then just, you know, there's more. It's the heart. That matters. So you can actually disagree with your friends. No, this is a big issue sometimes. I don't want to go into med school, mom and dad, but this is the reason why. And in a very respectful way, working it out. I actually know of a story of an older gentleman now who went to med school because his parents wanted him to, and then did something else there afterwards sure. because that he wanted to honor the fact that his parents had given him the opportunity to come here to be something that they couldn't be. Sure. And so it really depends on the dynamic. So honor for me is a matter of the heart rather than just action. But I think Asians sometimes understand it be the outcome. Doesn't matter what you're thinking, you're gonna honor me in front of these family guests, right? Obey me. Yeah. That's what I've experienced at least. Yeah, for sure. But how do how do we even enter into those kind of conversations and spaces with others to to work it out? Because to work it out requires both sides to submit to God together, mm. submit to each other. How do we even do that? Because you know, you're mentioning in terms of like, oh, if a parent has a certain expectation of what honor is. And the child feels differently, and the child wants to have that conversation. How can how can that even happen, right? Mm. On a practical level, I think there needs to be sometimes an entire generation that sacrifices themselves. Ooh. It's the first. That's big. It is That's big. It is. But then, if you're a one point fiver, or if you're a second gen. You have both, especially when you're a second gen with parents who are very traditional, Mm. you have one foot in each culture and you have kids there afterwards. And so you're that bridging generation and there needs to be an attitude of, well, the first generation came and they gave up everything to come. So in that sense, you have to respect the context from when they came and you get older. And I remember just learning when I was around 25, that when my mom was 25, she didn't know a lick of English and came here. Right. And she had two kids thereafter. And then she studied. I'm like, at 25, I couldn't do that. Mm. Right. And so having that respect, I guess, of their journey and then recognizing that God is sovereign, you're born as a 1.5 or second gen. What is your role in the continuity of that story? This isn't just about you ever. It's about God loving you. And in that, how can you be that agent? And I think the 1.5 and second generation have a really privileged responsibility And to forfeit that would be to cut yourself off from the story that God started back in that native home, wherever your parents came from. Yeah. See, that makes me think for for one of my past sermons, I'm sorry, I'm just talking about sermons too, but I I took... There's a a cultural lens for our sermons. Yes, absolutely. For sure. But but I I was learning, I think, from Tim Keller. He was was referencing uh, Peter Berger, the sociologist. He's talking about in our society, okay, these, these terms may not you know, exactly line up to how everyone defines them, mm-hmm. but honor how the kind of, you know, past culture, tradition understood honor was actually more about fulfilling a role. Mm. Okay. And then today's society and, and our, you know, next gen thinking progressive uh, society is more about what he calls dignity mm. and about, about the individual right. The, I, I, 
I'm, I, I need to get this across. And I think that's the things that we fight. Like, I totally agree with where you come from. And maybe because I'm, I'm the, I feel like I'm part of that British generation yeah. too. <laughs> right. But it, it's like, I find the people I engage with more is like, I, I was, I grew up in this life with all these things. My parents, you know, worked hard and now I, I'm, I, it's, it's this kind of entitlement that's happened. And it's until there's a self-awareness to go, wait, I'm part of something bigger. Yeah. Yeah. And that's even part of, I think, when you realize you're part of the, the story of God, mm-hmm. the grander narrative of scripture. And I think that's, as your identity changes in Christ too, you're like, wait, it's not just about my own thing that I need and only about my own dignity. And yes, of course, caring about other people's dignity, but what's, what's the honorable side of this? What's the, what's the role that I also play? And I think in terms of an honor-shame society, yes, it's not just straight up obedience, listen to me or I smite you or something sure. like mm-hmm. that. It's, will, will that older generation go, let me teach you if you're willing to listen about what fulfilling your role, what honor looks like, where are we coming mm-hmm. from? Right. And I, I think there's a resonance with that more and more as, uh, as I've grown older, you know, oh, I'm not just trying to love my parents to, to just, okay, I'll just do whatever you say. It's like, no, I, how do I honor my role as a son, especially being a, a Chinese, yeah. uh, a Chinese man. I was like, I'm not just going to do my own thing and okay, forget you. I care. I want to, I care about my family. They've shown me what, you know, love and care looks mm-hmm. like from being a Chinese mm-hmm. person and also being a Christian. Yeah. Right. And on that end yeah. too. And as believers, the heart absolutely matters because you can honor your parents on the surface because you want them off your back. Right. Because we're of both cultures, we know what to do to get them off our back. Okay, just do this when they're here. Give them that seat. Make sure the kids play the piano for them when they're here. (laughs) Like, we know what to do. For those holiday or family gatherings on their 60th birthday or those big events that are traditionally part of the Asian calendar and the Asian milestones, we know what to do. But it's, again, the heart that follows thereafter. Are you playing the role of a son and a daughter who really understands the suffering, the discrimination sometimes they experience that we don't because our English is not accident. And because we are educated here, sure. although sometimes there may be some of that anyway, right? But not to the degree that our parents suffered and not to the degree that they experienced. And they did that, so we didn't have to. Right. And, and at times I find that we're just going back to that Canadian versus Asian mm. lens. The Canadian side of me is always almost like, I don't want to generalize it. This totally mm. sounds generalization, but it's like, I, I'll go do and, and the, that North American dream. You know, that mm-hmm. the, I'm, I'm fighting that aspect versus that, that Asian lens a bit is like, no, wait, but there, I'm, I'm part of something that, that's bigger than myself. Right. Yeah. You know, so there's that, that kind of you're, you're wrestling with, should I go do what just I want to do? But no, no, wait, how do I also live into being a part of what I, where I came from? Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think even as a, as a Christian too, think through that lens, a lot of times it's like, well, I, I'm a Christian, so I... Yeah, I, I like having my individual salvation, and that's all great. So I can feel that for myself. Mm-hmm. But wait, I'm coming from something bigger. Mm-hmm. I'm part of this story. I, I have a purpose. I have a, a, a role to play. God yeah, has uniquely sure. put me in this position to play. And if you don't think of it that way, if you don't think of or if you only see God similarly in, let's say, a bad Asian light, I'm just going to do, I'm going to, yeah. i listen to you guys so I can get into heaven. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, versus, no, wait, I'm, I'm your son that I'm, I'm the prodigal son or daughter that, yeah. that came back. And I'm a part of your family. I want to bring other people to the feast. Yeah. 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 You know, that, that's how I kind of, I, I, the tension yeah. that I feel. And I, and I do feel like the Canadian cultural lens is shifting because of the nature of what Canada is. It's an immigrant country. It's a colony, you know, in the sure. older days. And back then, it was a mosaic of mostly European traditions. 
And now as the world opens up and we get immigration from literally all corners of the world, now you're getting the cultural shifting. It's changing. And so that which was the Canadian lens 50, 60 years ago, it's shifting. And what I appreciate about the Canadian culture is that by and large, it is welcoming. They're open to those shifts. Sure. How do we understand our Syrian refugees? How can we get to know their culture? So it's kind of like they're adding to that Canadian lens. And we're seeing, I think in these this day and age, we're seeing how the Canadian lens is being altered by the new Canadians that are coming. Right. And I think that's part of the Canadian culture, actually, to sure. be opening and welcoming and willing to add more to that mainstream voice. And it's going to continue to shift. I think so, It's going yeah. to continue to shift as second generations, third generations, mm-hmm. which are, you know, the bridge generation or the hybrid generation, which grow up with those influences, but also experiences other people's cultures, a different culture. And so it's, it's an ongoing thing. Yeah. Right? And speaking of honoring, I think there's a way to honor that Canadian past. Like, mm. And some of the students may not like this, but do you know how you have to learn French because it's an official language? I like that. <laughs> it's part of the history that opened up the possibility for us to immigrate. You know, sure. it's about building the nation and to just throw it out the window because there are no, more Chinese speakers. Maybe in the future there might be, not yet, but there are more people who speak a different language than the official languages of Canada. I don't like that so much because, and maybe I have to think this through a little bit more as we see the changes that are coming on the horizon. But for me, it's like, let's honor the past that is Canada. That was what it was so that we can work together in making it something um, where it's headed in the future. But you need to know. Yeah, you need to know where it it comes from. And it's always great to know another language while you're young because it's very (laughs) difficult to learn when you're older. So. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So since we only got a little bit more time, I just want to ask you guys a little bit about the Canadian-Asian lens and how it affects certain understandings. So just very briefly, you know, could you guys share your thoughts? What is your initial reactions on the Canadian-Asian lens on faith? For the Canadian-Asian, so speaking for, from my context as a Canadian-Asian, born here but still with a very deep roots in my Korean heritage and the Asian culture, I think faith for me is how God has made me and understanding the scripture and recognizing again that his promises are as much for me as much as it was for the other Gentiles as much as for the Jews and to really working through my own insecurities sometimes. And I just want to touch upon this. And I told you I'd mention this. I know it might open a can of worms, but when there are certain <laughs> Let's stories, do this. <laughs> yeah, there are certain stories in the Bible when I was reading, and it's you know st- stories about um, Rachel and Leah. Yeah. And Rachel was beautiful, and Leah was not. And you're just like, and she's the chosen one. Sarah is beautiful, and we don't know much about Hagar. Um, you read stories about Abigail, Bathsheba. I mean, these are just beautiful women. Mm. And one of the things that you learn about who God is through, and it challenges you. So God is going to bless beautiful women. He's just going to protect them from <laughs> Egypt and, and, you know, all these. But That would be an interesting yeah, way to read the but Bible. But <laughs> it's because that's what stands out to a lot of young girls, because that's a whole thing. That's but one of the yeah. things I recognize as I got older, that was the way that the men in the Bible loved the women. Ooh. God does not really care about that. It was the Jesus who spoke to the woman caught in adultery, the Samaritan woman. You don't learn how beautiful and voluptuous sure. and stuff like that and how it was just God loved them. Hagar, God sees her in the desert. 
um, Mary and all the other um, women who learned at his feet. There's not a physical description that calls him, you know, they're beautiful in this way and that. That That's the way that the men in the Bible love the women, not necessarily God the Father. Yeah. And so that's also a cultural aspect because culturally women, like the women, female culture out there, it really does affect how you read and how you grow in your faith. Right. And that's why proper theology is important. And that's why, again, culture can only take you so far in understanding God, and you begin to really have that personal relationship with Him mm-hmm. in the context you're in. There's good things about your culture. Yeah. There really is. And as God reveals Himself through His Word and mm-hmm. speaks into our cultures, we are made aware yeah. of the ways in which you know our culture has mm-hmm. impacted us. I yeah. mean, I mean, you talk right there about a certain lens looking at gender, yeah. right? And, you know, looking at women. For sure, Asians have their own perspective as well of what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And, you know, how does God speak into it? How does God engage and enter into those kind of understandings and paradigms and continues to draw us close to him yeah. and transform us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She wrote a book about that, by the way. <laughs> that's, that's huge. A really, that's a really interesting, yeah. interesting topic. That's for sure, for sure. Uh, and lastly, I want to ask, what, what would be, as you guys have seen it, an understanding or a certain cultural or ethnic understanding of mission? Mostly what I've seen in Canadian Asian church in the past, while I grew up in it was revival meetings, Mm. right? Like I I just grew up, oh, people come to these events and, you know, Billy Graham, I I became a Christian at a a pre-Billy Graham Mm. event. (laughs) And, you know, you have this like essentially big, big hyped meeting and then you have like a really good charismatic speaker connects the dots for you on, a lot of the gospel story, and then you make that decision. But what's interesting is that that has impacted how we do mission. Yeah. And a lot of times what I, what I find is if I cannot create the same thing to happen where there was a, a concert or some kind of thing to, to bring some hype, to have a really good charismatic speaker, mm. these people won't come to know Christ or make a decision. And a lot of our churches, and I know a lot of churches don't do this as much anymore, but like they used to put all their money into that, like what we called an evangelistic meeting to sure. some degree. And now more than ever, it's just kind of, I feel like there's a shift that's happening from a way to like, we, we cannot just do what we've done culturally as a Christian subculture, evangelical subculture for so long. Like not to say that you cannot do those things and, and that we should never do those things, but it's more like, well, what does it mean in your everyday interactions? What does it look like in, in your life? How did Christ model yeah. this? And how did his disciples model this? How, how does Paul talk about it? And, and what is the church's yeah. involvement in that beyond making a program to reach someone else? And I find mm-hmm. that that's something that we've kind of, we, we caught on to for that that period of time. And I know a lot of people have, you know, they're, they're trying to re reimagine what mission looks like for our context today. Yeah. yeah, for sure. What I hear you saying is that there's like a formula that we picked up. And we program it that way because we think that it won't work otherwise. And I think the young generation and the multiculturalism and the diversity in Canada is challenged in many ways. And one of the things that, you, again, we notice about Jesus that he never had a formula. Okay, I've got to mm. do it this way. It was about the person and how he can communicate with them. And so when it's kind of like when you go into a conversation like this and everything's scripted. And it's just, it feels so wooden. It's like, why aren't we getting the same reaction? Whereas if you really want to get to know the other person, 
maybe you can't always ask about sports because sports is not their thing, <laughs> right? And so it's it's really that confidence in knowing that God is a dynamic God. He will move. You know how God has moved in you and you're just willing to share that story. Yeah. And I think that's the point of connection that Jesus even used when he um, dialogued with Nicodemus and with the tax collectors, with the lepers, with the women, um, with the disciples. It was like, okay, so where are you coming from? Mm. Rather than this is a program, come and you'll be changed, right? Yeah. And that was that's typically the way that it's been done. But again, I think we're being challenged on how to rethink that. And, and I think it's just that even it may have quote unquote worked in the past mm. because people were predisposed to connecting maybe on a mass level, maybe yeah. that way. Yeah. But now more than ever, it's like, you don't have people. Oh, let me let me come to this Christian event. Like, if anything, people are like, I don't Christian. <laughs> yeah, skeptical, like, suspicious. Yeah. Like uh, uh, stuff that I, that I've read and learned from other professors is in their analysis. It's like a lot of people were pre-Christian, coming from pre-Christian. They were already kind of like on the fence already towards a lot of should I be a Christian because I've already grown up in that. But now we're living in a, this the Canadian society, which there's a lot of I have no connection mm -hmm. to where you're coming from. I didn't grow up in a Christian household. Right. I have no background in this stuff. So. A lot of it is as well as like, if we're talking about cultural engagement now, people, it's kind of what you're saying, Lisa, meeting them where they're at yep. and learning their story, seeing how engaging, how, hey, this is how God's story connects mm -hmm. with yours. This yeah. is who Jesus is. And you're, you know, you can't convince them or mm -hmm. coerce them towards something yeah. like that. But you're like, no, 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 God's still going to work, but I'm going to be faithful in terms of yeah. how I'm going to, whoever the Holy Spirit's leading yeah. me to. So that's what I find ends up happening a little bit. And I think that despite the uniqueness of culture, there's also a human story. And Ecclesiastes tells us that God has put eternity into everyone's heart. Mm. Like we, we all long for the immortal. I believe that. Mm. I think you see that in strands of media culture, this striving for something beyond what is of this world. And when we're able to share that story openly, again, that's the connecting point. And that's why culture shouldn't be a barrier. And I, this is a paraphrase of C.S. Lewis. I wish I had the quote, but basically he says, true friendship starts at the moment you find somebody else who says, yeah, me too. Because whether you are black from Nigeria or Korean from and born in Russia, there is a common human story. Yeah, me too. Right. I yeah. have been lost. Yeah. I have questioned that. My parents have said that to me and put that pressure on me. Yeah, me too. And that, I think, is such a beautiful way to connect. And I think Jesus was able to do that. I know what you're feeling. I know because, again, he was a Messiah, but we know because we've experienced it. And that's why we shouldn't shy away from the pains and the suffering and our own individual hurts that God has allowed in our lives. I just want to ask, Lisa, how does this play out in the organization you are a part of? Mm -hmm. You are a part of Canadian Bible Society, mm -hmm. an organization that translates the Bibles into hundreds of languages. What does that mean? Like, you know, I know last time you were on our podcast, you were talking about bad translations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's one of the hearts of... Canadian Bible Society that every person would have mm -hmm. the scripture in their own yeah. language. But language is part of culture, you know, yes, lang you know reading the scripture in your own language and understanding and having scripture speak into their lives, you know, does kind of, you know, have to kind of go through those steps a little mm -hmm. bit too. So what does that mean for you guys to be kind of sensitive to the, the cultural lenses while you guys are in the work of translating mm -hmm. scripture 
and engaging other communities and you know other people from different backgrounds mm-hmm. so that they would have God's word. Mm-hmm. So the Canadian Bible Society, we have a scripture translation department and the translating work that we do directly is for Canadian languages, which includes the Indigenous, heavily includes Indigenous languages. Sure. Right now, it is beginning to include the Punjabi speakers um, because they came to us and they're out in Western Canada because they needed a revision of their Bible. So we contacted the Indian Bible Society and worked out the details of the legal details and the copyrights and whatnot. And the way that our scripture translation, as far as Dr. Leach has told me, and I think this is a brilliant way to do it, is that we have linguists who know the theories of translation, translating consultants. But for example, Dr. Jeff Green might not know Punjabi. So we'll work with the communities there to teach them the skills of translating, but they do the work. Oh, that's so cool. And so it gives them ownership. This is your language, your culture. We'll tell you the principles of how it's kind of done, give you the technical skills and the theory, but you need to make it accessible to your culture because we don't speak it. You have, But you can also speak a culture, but don't understand the cultural baggage behind it, but they yeah, do. For sure. And so with the indigenous people groups, with the Punjabi speaking group, that's how we work. Now, the other part of what you mentioned was the engagement aspect, where we have access to hundreds of translations through mm-hmm. the United Bible Society's network, because it is important to provide it in their heart language. Yes, many of the immigrants are learning English and French or wherever they might be. They're learning the Canadian language, but at the same time, if you're a first generation and you hear the hymn in the way that you've learned it, then it speaks differently. Like I've learned some hymns in Korean before I even knew they were English hymns. <laughs> and when I hear it, it brings back a lot of memories of home, of my dad singing, of our church singing it. Sure. And so in the same way, when you read the scripture in your own heart language, it's kind of like you're getting beneath the surface. And when they see a Bible, and I've seen this, when they see a Bible in Farsi, in Kiswahili, their face lights up in a different way. Yeah. And we're demonstrating, expressing a God that reaches out in the way that it meets them where they're at. And you know what? That's, that's so interesting because I think that's, we can get into a huge discussion about mm. this, but that in a sense is mission. Mm. Yeah. As, as we engage others and that when you see their face, you know, whoever we're engaging, their faces light up, but yet they could be second gen, you know, in Indian, they could be, you know, third, third gen first nations person, you know, whatever, yeah. but like, but how do we interpret, how do we uh, translate the good news to them in a way that yeah. they're like, oh yeah, I, th- that makes whoa. Yeah. I've never seen that before, and I'm no one's ever taken the time mm-hmm. to walk with me through it. That yeah, way. for mm-hmm. sure. And yeah, and it's the effort that matters. Yeah, yeah. to show that you're willing. Hey, it might not be the perfect translation, which why, why we're redoing the Punjabi <laughs> one, right? So to help us, help us make it accessible, more sure. accessible. It's almost like an understanding of mission is built in to the way you operate. Mm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, would we all have a, a, an opportunity to kind of think through what does that look like for, for all of us in our own context? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it sure beats Google Translate. Oh, I no, don't... I've been told, yeah. <laughs> 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 One button. That's, translates all of Scripture. That would be best. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're going to move into our takeout box. And what is the kind of final thought to continue to wrestle through, to continue to chew on in terms of cultural lenses? You know, what would you guys offer to our listeners in terms of a final thought or question? Mm. And maybe something that is, you know, practical for them wherever they're at. You know, we have a lot of people from all sorts of different backgrounds listening. But what would be your takeaway box in regards to understanding and being aware of our cultural lenses? I would say learn. 
for myself, I'm a second gen. I was born here. But one of the most formative times in my spiritual life actually came later in life when I served out in Korea. Not just, you know, visiting family out there, but really getting to know the culture. Yeah. You can't deny it. And that doesn't mean you have to be fluent and you have to be able to do everything, but you have to know about it because it is part of you. If, especially if you're a visible minority, like people see this in you, even though if you don't feel Korean. And I was floored when I landed in Incheon. I'm like, everybody looks like me. But I realized <laughs> that that's my, st- my shock. I just look like one of them. Sure. So you need to embrace it. God created you that way. He never makes mistakes. And there is a place for every people group in his kingdom and the role that you play in the kingdom work of today. Yeah. There's a beauty in that. Yeah, absolutely. There's a beauty in that for sure. Shu, any last things? I'm nothing to add just just to, in terms of agree with that. (laughs) You're saying know thyself. I think first, second, third, fourth, whatever generation Mm -hmm. of people listening in is that to know where you're coming from makes a huge difference. When I... I had to go through my seminary studies I actually to more appreciate where I was coming from, to learn that even scripture is coming from Christian tradition. Yeah. Right? Sure. Like we're coming from somewhere. It didn't just happen in a, a snap. Mm-hmm. It's that God's story is happening. God's still moving yep. today. And I, I was just, I'm part of this story that, you know, the gospel hit my parents and as, as Chinese people coming, immigrating to Canada. And actually I've learned more to see the Christian missional life actually as not to be, not to be scared, even though I want to be comfortable, and you know they brought. I'm, I'm entitled to fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like the spirit causes you to immigrate somewhere for the yeah. sake of the gospel. Oh yeah. yeah, God leads His people absolutely. He's in charge of all the migration movements. I believe that. Yeah, and that's and we're, we're called to reach cross culturally, and you know everyone's unique. Everyone's coming from this different place in Canada more than ever, and actually they're coming here. <laughs> if anything. You know, it's our job as well to like, how are we going to even step, stepping next door is a cross-cultural, yeah. Yeah, you know, sure. exercise in mission right now. I'm going to just add one little other take out. Let's do take it. Away. Don't be so offended by people's ignorance of your culture. Mm. Sometimes people are discriminating and they are very harsh and negative. Most people in Canada, at least, are not like that. So don't be so, don't make people walk on eggshells around you. Don't be so offended by some of people's ignorance. You just don't know. But look at this day and age. It's our opportunity to teach and to learn ourselves. Why mm-hmm. do they think that way, right? Yeah. So. And it just quickly brings it back to what you were talking about earlier about a certain generation to sacrifice mm. and to be like, okay, you know what? You know, I'm going to enter into it in a humble posture. And so even if they are ignorant to something, that I'm not going to be offended by them. I want to serve them. Mm-hmm. I want to get to know them. And I want to build that bridge. I'm sure we could have endless conversations on this, but we're wrapping up today. Thank you so much, Lisa, for being on the podcast again. We are for sure going to have to have you back for, for more conversations. Hey, if you have not done so already, please remember to rate and review and subscribe to our podcast. It continues to help us get this conversation out there. And you could always connect with us through our Facebook, Twitter, or email. We love hearing back from you guys and all the feedback. It's been great to continue to be part of this conversation together. So once again, you've been listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast, and we hope you'll join us on this journey. See you next time. Peace.